Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed to the Diesel Podcast, make sure and click the subscribe button and like and comment. Let us know what you think of the episode, if there's questions that uh, we should ask on a follow-up episode or there's a guest or topic you want us to cover. We're always checking YouTube, and that's where our podcast can be heard first. We really appreciate your support with that. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with Wendy from Shell, and she was on the podcast about a year, year and a half ago. And she's had a, a really um, interesting kind of story in her journey in the oil industry. So I wanted to have her back on to talk about um, some really cool things that's been going on with her career. Also ask her some questions about Rotella, the industry, and not even just pickup trucks, but also equipment um, and some of the heavy duty stuff out there. So it's going to be really cool to chat with her. Before we get to it, want to remind you guys that our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a discount code just for you guys. It's 20% off site-wide. Go to kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code diesel20. You get 20% off anything on the site, and they have tons of different choices, no matter what your budget is, um, what use you might have for a knife or any of their gear, whether it's for EDC or hunting, fishing, the outdoors at the job site. We really appreciate them offering this for you guys to be able to save some money. All right, let's get to today's episode with Wendy from Shell, talking about Rotella, her journey in the oil industry, and a lot of other cool topics. Wendy, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I enjoyed our chat last year talking about Shell and oils and um, the oil industry in in general, and it was a really cool chat, and a lot's happened since last year, so I wanted to be able to sit down and chat with you, and and welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. I I love what you're doing for our industry, and your episodes are always so insightful and interesting, and so I feel honored. And you just posted yesterday about where you're at in the rankings, and that's really impressive, so even more honored to be here today. Um, so yeah, I can't even remember where we left off last time, but basically my story was, is that I fell into this industry, right? Totally by chance had no, no path that was getting, leading me this way. Um, and worked for the three main shell distributors within the Chicagoland area. Uh, so I was calling on on companies. It was a B2B business to business. So I was calling on companies of all different sizes and capacities, trying to get them to do their services in-house, or maybe they were already doing their services in-house and then to buy from our products through me, through, you know, our distributor and um, to go that route and uh, use social media. Like uh, I, I feel like I had gotten pretty creative with my approach and saw a lot of success that way. And, um, and so my, Working with all of the shell distributors within Chicagoland in varying capacities, I really got to know the shell team, uh, the brand, the products, and I I fell in love with it. The first distributor I worked for had two other brands that they featured, um, and so I was familiar with them as well, and and I still felt like shell was the most uh, well put together, had the clearest direction, was the most hands-on with the distributor and wanted to to help us be successful. And so um, that set my goal, my personal goal to work for them directly pretty early on in my career. And I've been doing this for almost, as, and this is like year nine, I think. Um, so I, I had this goal. Um, I worked for two distributors, got poached by a third, poached kind of by a third <laughs> who was uh, getting a lot of business moved over to them in Chicago. And so that gave them the opportunity to open up a location here. And um, I guess they saw what I was doing. And and I think last time we spoke, I had, I was just kind of getting started with them or in the middle of, of this. And um, uh, so I worked, I worked for them. Uh, I built up their business here. And, but prior to coming on with them or just when I was getting started with them, like a week in, uh, someone at Shell reached out to me and was like, hey, we have this position opening in Chicagoland. Would you be interested in applying for it? And it was like, oh, 
I, I'm, <laughs> yes, of course. Um, and at this time, I think he was the the head of uh, Rotella Global Brands or something like that. And um, so I was like, oh my God, yes, of course. Thank you for sending this to me. But unfortunately, I just started with this company, you know, and they were doing a lot for me um, to get me on board with them. And I, I was like, I can't do that to them. Um, I need to see this through for a while and, and fulfill my promise and commitment to them. So please keep me in mind for other positions that come up, but I'm going to stick this out for now. And um, I did. And so three years with them. We were coming around to some changes. Obviously, we'll talk about what's happened in the industry over the past year with all the supply shortages and stuff. But I was just feeling like personally, I was ready for the next step and um, saw that Shell had some stuff popping up in the area. Uh, it was more marketing related things. I was applying to all of them, wasn't really hearing anything, was trying to use my contacts. Hey, what's going on over there? You know, are you, can I, can you put in a good word for me? And, but just wasn't getting the feedback that I had hoped for. And so I started to think like, it's not, maybe it's just not in the cards for me right now. And, and that's okay. I got my head around it. And I was actually approached by another major brand right at this time um, who had a position open up in the Chicagoland kind of Midwest region. And uh, they, uh, the distributor for them actually that I'm acquainted with called me and was like, Hey, I, I put your name out there for, or they requested you to apply for this position. And I, I said, I would put you in contact with them. So I started this process and um, I, I, this is not me speaking illy of them. I, I, they're great people and I'm sure it would have been great to work for them, but it's just funny how uh, the universe or bigger forces work, right? Because when I was going through this hiring process with them, it was very rigorous. It was uh, very drawn out. Um, I had to jump through a lot of hoops and do a lot of testing and interviewing and all this. And as time was going on, the position was getting more and or less and less attractive. So they kept changing things on me. Um, certain privileges of the job were being removed. The territory was all of a sudden changed. And then finally we come around to, okay, we want to offer you the position, but oops, we forgot. Normally we uh, have our legal team look into non-competes because I had a non-compete with my distributor before we even do the interview. We forgot to do that with you. So uh, we got to go through that process now and this could take a little longer. And so while I was waiting, Shell came out of the blue and was like, hey, this position's here. We think you'd be great at it. Please apply. I applied. It was like the easy breezy. We went through it real fast. I got the offer. I got to negotiate my salary range. And it was like, bing, bang, boom. Here's the offer. And it was like the a perfect fit for me. And so the other one just got, you know, kind of, it's just funny how it worked out. Yeah. And so I, I had to tell the other company, you know, respectfully, I'm declining and and I'm taking this offer with Shell and uh, all the best. And so it, it was a great uh, opportunity. And so now I'm not to be long winded here, but now what I'm doing is completely the opposite of what I was doing before. I, um, I now my full job is to promote our OEM dealers that we have contracts with within my territory. So now I'm telling everybody, go back to the dealer for all your products <laughs> and um, forget everything I told you before, but, but it's good. And it's a whole new challenge. Um, obviously I post on social media that I'm working a lot with uh, Case New Holland and those brands, because that's one of my uh, large uh, OEMs that I, I represent. I have 10 that I work with right now. And um they are publicly okay with me sharing these things in the partnership. And so I, I'm talking about them quite a bit, but I don't have any experience in the ag side of things. And so my learning curve has been super steep, but, um, but it's been fun. It's a good challenge. Like I said, so here I am. Well, that was, that was one of the, one of the main things I remember from our last episode was you were talking about your story and how you got interested in this field and then growing with it. And then nine years, you know, of, of time and investment and learning, I think there's a lot of lessons there that apply towards somebody if they're they want to start a diesel shop or they want to start a manufacturing facility and uh, make a part or really any other industry it could be construction, real estate, could be anything. Is the patience? So how did you keep the patience? Or the, well, I'd say the patience and then the vision as well because I'm sure there were challenges along the way and times you thought, you know, is this the right place for me? Um, is this the right industry? When is the opportunity going to come? What really helped you during that time frame? Sure. Uh, 
you know, I obviously I couldn't expect to just be hired for by Shell right out of the gate without some sort of background and experience working uh, in this industry. And so I'm sure that happens to some, but I I didn't have I didn't set my expectation to be hired by them, you know, immediately starting, a, you know, once I had the idea that I wanted to be with them. Uh, so I knew that there was going to be an element of waiting around. Plus, uh, I with this particular role, um, if I don't want to move away from the area, if I don't want to go to Houston or or that, I have to wait for a job to open up in my market. So that can take even longer. Um, but I just kept at it. I, I obviously I love what I do no matter what. It was a uh, a lot of mental battling within myself that it's like okay, I I need to be grateful for the the job that I have currently I'm going to, whatever happens, I'm going to continue forward with it and continue acting like nothing's changing and maintain my relationships and, uh, just go full bore into that. And, um, if something comes along, great. And I'll be ready for it and I'll get my resume ready. And, uh, but yeah, I would say just nurturing those relationships, never burning a bridge because you never know when it's going to come back or when you're going to need that connection and, and a referral and things like that. And so, just maintaining that vision and, but learning to be grateful for what's in front of me currently. And then also being flexible to other opportunities that might come up. Maybe it's not going to fit my plan. Cause we all have this like linear plan that we think we're going to follow. Right. Yeah. And, and life doesn't work <laughs> that way. Wow. Um, so I thought when this other company reached out the other uh, major brand, I was like, man, I really don't want to represent another brand than shell, but this would be a really good, again, learning opportunity for me, a good challenge to see how well I'm able to pivot and now put on that face and, uh, you know, that, those colors and go out and go gung-ho for them. And and then also to learn their brand and their strategy. And then if, if maybe I'll fall in love with them and maybe that can be my new path. And if I don't, now I've got all that competitive info that I can bring back, you know, to my original plan. So I think it, I think it speaks a lot though, <clears throat> at that point you mentioned where you had just started with a new company and the opportunity that you'd waited for and hoped for came along, but being, um, you know, loyal to what you had signed up for and wanting to do that, that job that, that, uh, you know, that you had that, that, that position that you were in, I think speaks a lot to lessons that people can learn, you know, through this and. We'll get into this in a little bit as far as um, attracting people to the trades and 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 bringing people in, but but that part really stood out to me about what you said, and I don't think that's common these days because we all want that instant gratification, that right. instant promotion, that instant pay raise, that instant job offer, and it uh, it can be frustrating if 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 people aren't used to that um, that process of patience and and waiting. But I I always love to have guests on again and like i said your original story was really inspiring and people reached out that weren't in oil at all they were they were you know wanting to open their diesel shop or they were wanting to build something and they're like hey i loved what wendy said it, it made a lot of sense to me how to do this and when i saw that you um were on with shell i was i was excited i was like pumped up oh, you know <laughs> so it was, yeah. it, it was really cool um with uh one of the things with shell that has always stood out to me is their involvement with truck owners like I, I can see it on on social media a lot and, and you know some of the episodes that we've done is they have a genuine interest in diesel trucks and, and what kind of oil is going into you know into these vehicles that make people money so yep. the other question i was going to ask you is as you know in this position being exposed to different things um i know we had touched last time about trucks but the agriculture side and some of these other industries you may not be familiar with how have you approached learning about new things in this position to be able to show the solutions and the products that shell has for people diesel owners in in a number of different fields yeah um I guess to answer that latter half of your question, I always wanting to learn, right? And, and and being someone who is happy, always learning. I'm never, I never feel like I'm the expert. I need to, I need to always be open to learning and other ideas and um, other industries and things like that. I can always add. Um, 
So, but a lot of it is applicable across the industries, right? Like at the end of the day, there is kind of a general science that goes into uh, maintenance and lubricants and all of that, that can apply across the board. Um, so luckily I can, I can take what I, my ideas and the knowledge that I knew from the trucking and the construction side and bring that over now to the ag side to an extent, right? Like a, I have a, a, here's a funny example for you. And I'm going to really maybe embarrass myself by saying this, but when I first came on a few months ago, they were talking about the different product lines within the, the case um, portfolio. And it was, one of them was a product called corn head grease. And I was like, wow, what a cr- clever marketing idea is. I'm thinking there's probably like a little corn head, corn cob guy on the label. And that's the, that's the name of the brand like that they picked out for that product but there's actually corn heads on you know the the combines the equipment that have to get greased and so there's me not knowing something really specific about this industry and kind of making a fool of myself right and so um uh asking so i have now asked for formal training i think that's one area internally that shell needs to work on is uh, a better we do have training modules that we go through, right? It, but a lot of it's very basic lubrication stuff or uh, manufacturing focused. And so there's really, ag is kind of neglected, I feel like a- across the board, probably for most uh, companies. And um, I asked for like a formal, some sort of modules or video training or something that they can put together or whether we they call a class and we get together and sit down. And when I spoke up about this, a lot of my counterparts said the same thing. Yeah. You know, we feel the same way. We're out here having to help these dealers and 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 um present. We I've been giving like formal PowerPoint presentations to their customers on the products, but uh, you're really winging it. You know, it's kind of a fake it till you make it thing almost until you can get some formal training and um but I just hands-on for me, I love getting out with the customer, actually seeing it being applied, uh, being directly pointed out the, the key lubrication points and what's what. And that's how I bring it all full circle. And so actually next week I'm making, um, I offered up to one of my dealers that we're going to go, I'm going to go with them on their behalf because we're supposed to actually dress as them when we go work with them. Uh, we're not supposed to wear our shell colors or anything like that. And so um we're actually going to be calling on farmers together out in the field. And, um, <laughs> we're going to be, because it's harvest now they, they came back and they were like, we actually have to get in the combine with this guy to uh, get some time with him. So I'm like, Oh, awesome. You know, so then, well, then I can learn about the combine and, um, but yeah, so it's just really diving in and trying to immerse yourself and, but otherwise kind of faking it until you make it and, uh, you'll get there eventually. It's one of the hardest parts when I think back of different career fields I've been in or definitely, you know, with the podcast is I have this, I don't want to say narrow, but I have this um, knowledge base that might focus around trucks. And sometimes I'll get uh, a request to talk about uh, tractors or semi trucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know anything about them. I know that they take diesel, but that's about it. But it's, it's, um, I think wanting, like, like you mentioned, just jumping into it. And it's it can be scary, especially when you're standing in front of somebody, say a potential customer that knows everything about that piece of equipment right. and you're trying right. to deliver some information to them. It can be intimidating, but that's part of the growth process. And I think also what will really help people in the future when they're they're interested in this field is being able to say, hey, we have these um, programs or this training available to give you say more of a, a, a foundation than they mm-hmm. may have. So you can have those conversations and build those relationships with people. Yep. Yep. Well, I think too, as a, as a sales strategy almost, and I don't want to necessarily show my cards, but people really like uh, being asked and, and letting them be the leader. So if I don't know, or if I feel like I'm not going to be able to speak on something that this person probably knows a lot more about, I ask, I'm just open and genuine and honest with them. And I say, Hey, how about you take me through and you tell me, um, what you have going on? Like, I'll let you be the educator here. And then I'll try to like jump in at things that I can connect that might help you or that I can go back and look up and look into and bring other ideas to the table for future meetings. Um, and people really like, like that. They enjoy taking me through and showing me and explaining things. And so, um, I feel like that's really helped me as well. I think it's a great way to learn about um, 
to learn the, well, say in a sales capacity, or it could be anything, it could be, it could be education, different things like that, is listening more than talking. And when you mentioned that, I thought of a trip one time I made to a dealership and I, I had this particular Dodge Ram 3500 in mind that I wanted and the sales rep was telling me all about it, but he didn't ask what I was interested in or what I needed. And it just kind of turned me off to the process first. When I went to the next one, the guy's like, well, you know, what color do you want? Um, you know, how are you going to use this? What, you know, when do you want to get it? And it, it totally changed the buying process. And that's just one example I think all truck owners can identify with, but that also applies to yeah. trading a new career, a new industry, lots of different things. Yes. Well, and then to answer your first, the first part of your question, you know, Rotella has done a, a good job with their branding and aligning themselves with the consumer directly. And so with the, the single truck owner or with the, the fleet owner, um, and I think, you know, they know that they have a longstanding brand that has had some success over the years. They have that name that carries them and they have taken advantage, full advantage of that to jump on. Uh, marketing strategy to say, let's keep this rolling and we want to stay on top of the market. And so therefore we're going to just go directly to our customers and we want to showcase them. You know, they used to do the whole, um, you know, million mile promotions where they were talking to just regular truck owners that had trucks that were well over a million miles that had run Rotella through their life. And, um, featuring them and showcasing how awesome that was and how a uh, proper maintenance and a good product can carry you through and um, uh, highlighting the truckers like trucker appreciation, high, highlighting the farmers, highlighting construction. Now um, they're doing a little bit of a better job. And so, and then they've, they've finally figured out that social media is where it's at and that's where we're going. And um, so aligning themselves with some influencers and uh, you know, hopefully working with more people like yourself to help just uh, increase that exposure. And um, people seem to trust other people and, and will back someone that they can follow in their story. And if they're promoting Rotella, they're going to be a lot more comfortable uh, going and switching to that brand um, than they would with just walking up to a shelf and looking at the jugs and saying, okay, this one. Um so I, I feel like uh, I'm happy that they're getting that. I'm I'm actually working on some fun things behind the scenes with them, trying to get them to carry that idea over to the construction side of the world. Because um, it's funny, Rotella, the marketing channels at Shell are very uh, segmented. So the, the Rotella branding is really trucker focused. And um, I'm trying to get them to see that they're missing out on this whole world of construction professionals and like fleet managers and things like that, or mixed fleets that they need to be marketing to on social media. And so I'm, I'm, I'm bringing them some fun ideas that I think are going to take off here in the next few months to do that. But um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> it, it does. And that's, a, that's another really good point that you made, because when I go into when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply an auto parts store, really any sort of retail brick and mortar. And I see all these brands in front of me. <clears throat> it's, it's totally different when I've either seen that company post something, or I've heard a podcast or watched a YouTube video, or I've seen a commercial, or I, I've seen something with it. It connects me to the brand in a different way, rather than just hoping that on this wall and sea of bottles that I happen to pick this one, yeah. this one brand. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's really interesting about that. Um, I, one of the topics on the podcast of all the things that we cover, I used to think that the most kind of controversial one would be, are, do you like Ford GM or Ram? And it's not, it's about oil brands and oil mm -hmm. types. And it is, it's been the hardest thing for me to adjust to because, you know, in the past, I just thought oil was oil and I've learned that it's not, but that's how I used to think about it. And then now when I say, Hey guys, what, what kind of questions should I ask, you know, Wendy on the podcast or what do you guys want to know? Like there was one guy that said, 
I am only going to run Rattel. It's what I've run in like however many trucks I've had. You're not going to convince me to run anything else. I don't want to hear from anyone else. And it's just, it's so passionate. And so um, it's such a loyal fan base that I can see how it would also connect to like the agriculture and the construction side, because, you know, if a guy has a, a Ram or a Ford Power Stroke or a Duramax, he's got a fleet of them, is he really going to run something different for his equipment or on the farm? No, they're going to try to line it all up and, and use the same brand. So I can see how that all fits together. Yep. Yep, for sure. And isn't that funny? And I love those people, right? And I can appreciate them too, even if they're loyal to another brand for, for the, a lifetime. It's like, okay, because if I had you as a customer, you're the customer I want. So I appreciate that you're being that loyal as much as it hurts me. It's not Rotella, but, <laughs> but you also get the people who, and I, I just experienced this recently, who will comment on something who are like, if that's the same product that it was 20 years ago, well, then it's just crap and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if you think maybe, maybe what, you know, it's beyond my timeline, but maybe it was bumpy at the start. But if you think there's any chance that it could maintain its branding and presence, and Rotella's been the number one engine oil for what eight, nine years running now, a a good product, a product's got to be really quality to maintain that status and be as successful as it is. And so, if you think along those terms, and if that's your logic, then I'm I'm just sorry for you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so well, there's a lot of change throughout a product line. I'll see that with truck parts and different things. Somebody will say, well, I saw that 15 years ago and I'm not going to use it, but the, the companies evolve and they get, they get better and they, uh -huh. they, they keep up with the market. Well, the successful ones do. And so there's always those constant changes and constant updates. And I know from a, a few other podcasts, like with oil, it seems like it changes all the time when emission standards change for the on-road stuff. There's constant updates that are, that are being done to meet the specifications. And, and I had a question for you. One of our uh, listeners had asked me and he's like, I love Rotella. Um, I, you know, I want to run it in my truck, but I haven't been able to find it at this place he went to. And I don't know what region he was in, but I wanted to ask you about the last year or a couple mm -hmm. years with supply chain and being able to meet the demand or just keep it in these places. People look for it. Um, what's that been like on the, you know, the manufacturer side, the shell side? That's tough, right? I actually had to come out and do a video about this, like I think it was in January or February, and and address a lot of these, um, why this is happening, right? Because, I mean, we've all, all of our industries have just been put through the ringer in the last year, year plus. But um, with the oil specifically, it was like every corner we would turn, there was a new problem popping up. And it all started... I think COVID was the real start to most of this, but for our industry specifically, we had that big freeze, the unexpected, unexpected freeze in Texas uh, last winter. And because of that, everything had to shut down, literally every chemical plant, every refinery, every DEF plant, you name it. They had to replace every pipe on every single facility that was exterior wow. that was exposed to that, whether or not it had, you know, signs of damage because they have to be sure that the integrity of all that equipment is up to par. And so that was detrimental to the industry as a whole. And it took a good, it's not just, and this is where people like with politics too, with all the fuel stuff that's going on. And, and I don't speak to fuel at all, but they all kind of tie together, right? People just think that you can flip a switch and supply is just going to be there and turn on all of a sudden. And it's not that easy. It is such a drawn out process. It's a heavily regulated process um, and, and all the testing, the rigorous testing that has to go into these things. And so um, plus all the, the red tape and politics that these companies have to deal with. But so it took a good nine months at least for the industry to at least somewhat recover from that freeze that happened. Then you had the backup of COVID shutdowns on top of that. Then you started to see major shortages in other areas of the industry. So we, you know, the, the plastic resin industry, there's only one or two major suppliers and they're not in the U.S. And so to make, to get the resins over here, to make your poly drums, tanks, totes to put product in. So, okay, so now we've got product, but we have nothing to put it in. Same thing happened to steel drums. Steel had a huge issue for a while and, and it might still be happening. I, I've been away from the distributor for a little bit now, so I'm, I'm not so privy to things, but um, 
we couldn't get drums to put the product in. Uh, and then if you, again, if you had product and drums and things like that, you couldn't get a truck. You couldn't get a, a, a transport truck or a carrier because there's a, such a driver shortage or such an issue with that, that now I can't get it from point A to point B. Uh, we had a cardboard and glue shortage. So your case goods, the gallon jugs, okay, we've, we've got our gallon jug. We had label shortages for a while too. We couldn't put labels on anything. But now we've got our gallon jug, but we got no boxes to put them in to send them to the stores to put them on a pallet and get them out there. The grease to cardboard and plastics, not to mention the huge grease shortage issue that's happening in the country. But um, so it was like all these things, every corner that we would turn, there was some sort of just major issue that was preventing us from fulfilling our supply. And um, and now the the biggest issue I think now that has am impacted really the diesel industry, I would say was one of the worst affected. So um, the, all of the major diesel engine oil brands had major shortages. Um, all of your uh, like EP extreme pressure gear oils are still really struggling. Um, all of your industrial greases and heavy duty greases are still struggling. So it's really the, the main core products that the diesel industry uses have had the worst impact. And then a little bit of industrial stuff, but um, so now our issue is there's one or two major additive manufacturers in the U.S. that all of the companies send their recipe to to get made to put into their products. Um, and, and so those companies, a lot of them are, many of these companies are declaring force majeure throughout this process because of COVID, going bankrupt, closing. Um, and uh, so you get these two main companies that are just so backed up that they can't they can't keep up. They can't. So you have a huge wait time to get your product on the line. Um, and that's really what affected Rotella. But Shell did where I think Shell will pull ahead here is they did pivot. Uh, they aligned themselves with a new additive manufacturer halfway through the year to to get around a lot of this. And um, but the issue when you do that and you're a major brand like a Shell, a Chevron, a mobile, you have a lot of OEM approvals tied to your products. So your products have to be extremely consistent from batch to batch every time that they're made to live up to those OEM approvals. And, and when you switch an additive manufacturer, if you switch a base oil supplier, which is very few and far between because these contracts are so massive and longstanding because they have to be consistent, um, they have to go through every OEM's testing for reapproval. So that just adds a huge amount of time to now bringing the supply back because we, we switched additive suppliers. So now we have to get all of Allison's approvals, all of Mac's approvals, all of Detroit's approvals, all of Cummins approvals all over again and make sure that they are good with this switch and this, this you know, it's not, the product didn't change. It's the same recipe. It's just because it's a new company providing the service, it has to be tested again. And so we've gone through that and now we are back in full production, but it just takes a while to catch up. Um, so I know on the bulk side, so talking with my distributors and, and my former, former employers, they are getting bulk product in. So bulk T4, 1540, 1030, T6, they are getting it not as much as they would like, but they, they are restocking their stores. Um, but the case goods are really, really lagging behind. Uh, and, and that takes a long time because now you have to get time on a packaging line, right? To get everything bottled up and get out there. And um, it it is coming back. It's just a slow, uh, fun, <laughs> fun process. And so I'm on behalf of Shell and Rotella, I'm so sorry for this delay. Uh, I know this was felt across all the brands, um, but we appreciate your loyalty and, and understand that even if you had to, to go somewhere else and get a different product for a while, we hope you're going to come back to us and um, everything will return, you know, provided that the railroads don't go on strike and provided that <laughs> the world continues to <laughs> normalize a little bit. Yeah. Um, we will see things come back and we are, it's just very slow. And that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> and I think, you know, like I had mentioned before going into a store and I see this wall of product, all I know as a truck owner is, well, I don't see that there or there's less choices, but I don't know why. So that explanation 
mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me because I, I have seen it in other things. Um, I mean, even rental cars. Somebody I knew tried to yep. rent a car the other day, and it was like yep. <clears throat> the last time I rented one was years ago, and you could just pick whatever you want from any brand you wanted. They would come and pick you up, or you just walk right in where now it's like you got to get on a list to rent a car. And yep. it's just it's something I think that uh, we're all – have gotten somewhat familiar to, but I appreciate you answering that that question because he, he he loves Rotella and that's what he wants to run. And and I know a lot of our listeners will uh will understand. They'll be like, okay, I, I see things are kind of getting back to uh, the way they the way they were. And you know, mm-hmm. even I guess even if you find it in a store, just buy it for your next oil change. Just yeah, stock up, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, stock up. <laughs> if your friends, you know, yeah, definitely. <laughs> or to another another option that people don't think about is. You don't have to be a business entity to buy from a distributor. Um, So if you can find, uh, and I have a link on all my socials on a distributor finder uh, page um, that's local to you, you can go directly to them and set up an account with them and and buy from them. You don't have to go to, we we want you, obviously we have deals with all of our our consumer storefronts as well. And of course we want you to to buy from them. But if, if you can't, uh, a lot of the times the distributors will get priority because they are servicing, they're doing such a large quantity and servicing so many different businesses and accounts that um, they will be able to, if they're getting it in bulk, they can package it in a pail for you a lot of times if there's not a pail shortage, you know, they, but they can throw it in there and sell it to you that way. And a lot of times you'll get a better price point if you go through a distributor too, because they have that special pricing. And um, so it's just something for people to think about. It's another avenue to get the product uh, if they are really wanting to and, and needing to. That's a really interesting point because in the diesel truck parts kind of side, it doesn't work like that. Like if you call a distributor, they want to see your tax ID, they want your business name and they won't sell to you. I don't even know if they'll talk to you. I mean, I'm sure they would, but they're not going to, they're not going to be able to assist you. So that's a really good point that you made mm-hmm. about that. If somebody has a need for it, being able to use that avenue. So I, uh, I appreciate you mentioning that because I didn't know that. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they might put you through a few hoops because they're trying to make sure that their customers get product first Yeah. Um, if, if they're going about things in a good way. But um, they, they shouldn't, from my experience, if you're going to pay right now with a credit card or you're going to write a check, they, they're not going to take cash. But if you're going to write a check or pay them a credit card right on the spot, they're going to sell it to you. But if you want them to invoice you or have credit terms and you're not a business, then they're going to kind of yeah. be, yeah, I don't know about this, but that makes sense. Yep. I, I wanted to ask you about something else and it kind of ties into the beginning part of the podcast but then also your last one is we had talked about the crew collab and then in on on the truck side of it i've had so many guests over the last year or two years that have talked about wanting to attract people into their shop or their businesses or their manufacturing facility that are interested in automotive or interested in whatever part or or service is going to be done and you work on something in the oil industry that is really cool and for people who didn't catch our last episode but are listening now could you explain to us what um what you guys do what the goal is and just give us some insights into yeah it? well we're new still i still consider us new we're like a startup almost we are a non-for-profit 501c3 um really what it is is it's a bunch of people like myself who are in some varying uh, capacity of the trades world, right? Like I'm not the actual blue collar worker, but I support, I consider myself a supporting role. I'm supporting all of these uh, different facets of the trades industries. And um, and I've, I've loved it. And I've watched my customers, my mom and pop customers, all the way up to the big, the big guys struggle with uh, talent retention and, and hiring and having major shortages and staffing and struggling with that over the years. And and I myself, right, like in my my story, the first episode, I told you that I went to a four-year university, acquired a ton of debt, didn't use my degree, didn't know what I was doing, fell into this industry. For my first three roles, I didn't need a degree um, and uh, was sitting there going, man, there's now I'm exposed to all these different careers that I had no idea existed. And there's all these other paths I could have taken. And it's, I know everything happens for a reason, right? And I'm thankful for where I am today. But if if I would have known that there was other routes where I didn't have to acquire a ton of debt, I could have entered the, the job force market earlier on. 
Um, so it's a bunch of people like myself in varying capacities of the trades world who, who met over Instagram, social media, and uh, said, you know, we're all seeing this impact the industries in different ways. And we all love the industry and what we do. How can we create some sort of a solution to help expose either the next generation or people who maybe are not fulfilled in their current career in, in say, corporate America or whatever they're doing um, that want to change or transitioning veterans who are coming back and, and don't know what to do now that they're uh, getting out of the service. Show them that there's all of these awesome jobs that and careers that are well-paid, very fulfilling. It's the, the last industry that I feel like you can start at the very bottom and work your way all the way to the top. And I see, I have so many examples of this. I just talked to somebody on Wednesday who is now principal owner of a dealer group who started at 14, sweeping the shop floors. And um, and so we had we started this group, uh, Crew Collaborative. And um, we beginning, we have a lot of goals, right? But we started out with three different facets of it. So we have our ambassador program, our classroom talks program, and then we have our membership um, avenue. We don't feel like we are far enough along and, and have enough value to charge for membership at this point. So membership's free. We hope you would just go sign up for it uh, so you can get our newsletters and things like that. But our two other programs, the Classroom Talks and the Ambassador. So Classroom Talks, we are acquiring a huge database of school uh, officials across the country where we set up uh, Zoom call panels with their teachers, with the classrooms. We do boys and girls clubs too. Um, and take an hour and have five or six people come on and talk about for five minutes who they are, what they do, why they love it, how they got into it, what kind of path or education it took, roughly how much they make if they're comfortable sharing it, and just telling the kids about these jobs and showing them. And, and it's we're all kind of younger too, so the kids can maybe uh, identify and picture themselves in that role a little easier. Um, but the feedback that we've gotten from the teachers after the fact has been like, the, the kids love this. Uh, we the, the biggest thing was we had no idea these jobs existed. I thought you had to go to university. You know, I, I didn't know I could pick these other avenues. These people look happy and fulfilled. They make good money. Um, so just having that impact before they're coming, you know, of graduation age to, to, sign on the dotted line with whatever path they're going to take or give them some things to think about. Um, and, and then the ambassador program is we are doing a formal training. We're having people who are currently working in the trades roles uh, and loving it apply to become an ambassador and go through a, like a six week uh, crash course in like professionalism, uh, communication, how to present yourself, uh, cruise mission and values and, and how to represent us well and then go sending them out in the world to be like our boots on the ground network across the country to to go into schools to go into companies to help uh help the the student who comes up to us and says hey i'm in nebraska i want to be an operator what are my options and, and in nebraska there's a lot of different avenues for that student to take versus here in Chicagoland where you're pretty much your only option is the union. Um, and so the local ambassador can help point them to program schools, resources, internships, apprenticeships, things like that that are available and, or, you know, a mentor maybe and um, help guide them along. And so we are looking to, we did our first uh, run of ambassadors this summer uh, that was incredibly successful. And now we're looking to launch our second round this fall. So if you are interested, loving what you do, want to share your passion uh, with the next generation and help uh, point people in the right direction, um, we would love for you to apply to that uh, or sign up to be a panelist on our classroom talks to just tell kids about what you do and why you love what you do and everything. And so that's our mission. We are the headlining nonprofit spart, uh, uh, partner, excuse me, of ConExpo coming up in March. And uh, we'll be speaking on panels there and having a booth presence and just um, really trying to increase our exposure. And we're always looking for uh, sponsor partners and things like that because it's expensive to do this stuff and we don't have a source of income. So we're all volunteering. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell. I would love to 
uh, talk with anybody if, if they want to reach out to me and are curious of how to get involved. I really, really, really like the, the focus of it because I, I was in that same position is, you know, growing up, my parents always told me, Hey, you need to go to college. You need to get a, get a degree. So I spent high school studying and doing everything I could. And then I go to college and, you know, I'm sitting at this, you know, beautiful campus in Southern California and I'm there and it's like year two or three. And I'm like, I'm wasting my time. Like, I want to get out there. I want to do something. I graduate. And then I have this piece of paper, but I don't know how I'm going to use it. So then I'm thinking, well, do I go back for another two years? But I really Mm -hmm. want to go out there. I really want to make money. I really want to find my career path. And I spend, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, you know, in an industry where I'm just kind of there, you know, I'm not, I'm not really passionate about it. It's something I just did to make money, pay my bills. And at that time, nobody at least I wasn't aware of an organization or a place or a part of the industry that said, Hey, if you enjoy this, you enjoy, um, you know, trucks or equipment or whatever it might be, here's a path for you. Here's where you can figure out what particular part of this industry you're going to fit into is really important. And so I, I identify with a lot of, of what you're mentioning there with just finding you know, finding what your niche might be in this industry. And I think to kind of transition that to automotive is we need something like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We need something mm-hmm. in this side that says, if you do want to, you know, you do need to go to, to college, you do need to get an engineering degree and, and, and make these parts or, or do something in R&D, great. Um, but if you want to do something else, there's these other options for you so that it can pull in a, a larger group of people. And Exactly. It would have saved me a lot of time in my in my twenties if I would have uh, known something like that. So I think that's really cool what you guys are doing. And we're not exclusive, so we do support the uh, the mechanical trade path as well. As um, we have some board members who are mechanics, um, maybe more on the heavy trucking or uh, construction side, but we are uh, open to automotive as well, and would like to help promote that as a as a great path. Um, so we actually, I, 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 I probably shouldn't share it. I'll share it soon on my socials and stuff. We have some fun talks with some of our, our major, our sponsors that work with um, Case specifically. They have a lot of, most of them, the OEMs that we work with for the equipment all need mechanics. That's where they're saying we need mechanics at our dealers yeah. and our customers who are buying our equipment need mechanics to service them in-house. And so how can we really partner with you to promote that path and um case specifically has come out with some cool ideas about how we can showcase the the mechanical side of it the the technician side of it and so we'll be announcing some fun stuff with them in the near future for that specific path um but yeah uh, I love it and and it's not to say that college is the wrong path either uh, there's great positions within our industry who that do, that do utilize a degree um and we want to we want to still be open to that as well but for many of us, I think there, we would have been better served knowing that there are other ways and other paths to take. And uh, so that's what we're here for. Well, it's uh, your story is is something that there's so much <clears throat> there's so much insight in it, and there's a lot of things that people can take away, not even just in oil or automotive or diesel trucks, that when they're listening to this can. You kind of be introspective and think, okay, what do I want to do? How do I get there? How do I mm-hmm. um, have that vision and pursue it? Or maybe I just want to discover what kind of positions are available. So I definitely enjoyed our first chat and it's been really cool. And, you know, congratulations to see where where you've arrived and the, the vision you have there now. I think it's gonna be really cool to to follow what you do and, you know, keep us updated on new things that you're doing. We do follow you on social media. And I did want to ask you that for our listeners, um, where can they follow, you know, what you're doing, um, you know, like on Instagram, where can they follow Mm -hmm. uh, the crew collab and and just be able to learn more, maybe ask you questions. Maybe they're a younger person like, Hey, how do I get into this or where should I look? So me, myself, I'm the, the oil lady, the dot oil dot lady on Instagram and most platforms you'll find me, but Instagram is definitely where I'm most active. Um, I need to be better. I need to start 
transitioning everything over to like TikTok and all that stuff. But <laughs> you can find me on all of them. But if you really want to get a fast response, go to Instagram or go to my website. It's the dash oil dash lady.com. And that's where I put the most, I believe, need to know oil related information and tools for everyone, uh, you know, it, to just get questions answered and things like that. That's a great resource. Um, and that you can get in touch with me with me through there as well. Crew, same thing. So I I promote them and tag them in a lot of my social media stuff. So you can find them through my pages or um, it's, it's uh, gosh, I'm gonna have to look it up, but it's thecrewcollab.org, I believe is the website. And um, we would love to have you get involved. You can just search Crew Collab on all the social channels to find us. And we're always answering our our inboxes and things and, and helping. So don't hesitate to reach out if you wanna be involved or have a question on on what path to take. Well, thanks for joining me today, Wendy, and answering some questions for us from our listeners and, and sharing more insights on the industry. And we'll have to do it again in the in the future and and uh, you know learn some more about oil. And I'll come back to you with some, more, some more oil questions, I love some, it. some specific ones. <laughs> yeah. And if people want a like, quick little education snippets, I started doing lunch and lubricants every Wednesday at 1130 a.m. Central Time. It's a live uh quick 20 minute or so broadcast where I pick a topic and I go into the need to know details and try to help people get some clarity on things within the lubricants industry. And so if they want to tune into that, they can. Otherwise, yeah, if you want to deep dive on a topic, I'd love to do that and we can have another podcast. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. They've got a ton of different choices and options, no matter what your budget is, the use you might have for a knife, whether it's EDC or fishing, hunting, it's job site around the house. They've uh, they got so much cool stuff, and, and I've really had uh, a good time seeing some of the, the gear that you guys have gotten. It's uh, you know something that goes a long way to help us. If, if you're into that or you're you know looking for um, some gear, the 20% off is a great way to save some money. I want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters as well. Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, also Caleb. We appreciate the support of all of our, all of our Patreons. Those of you who subscribe on YouTube, the podcast apps, or Instagram, Facebook, and you know the creativity, the builds, the things that you guys are working on are so cool. They keep us going and keep us bringing you guys contests. We wanted to thank you for your support. Until next time, keep the shiny side up. <laughs>